man, you know, it's so random to me that Casey and JoJo are on that song. I know. It is, it is. It's super random. It doesn't really fit. Yeah. This is just weird. Because the beat, typical gangster, typical primo, like just. But they, was all, they were everywhere back in the day. You're listening to Humans Are Interesting. I'm Namus, and I'm here as always with my brother Scientific. What up, what up? It's been a long time. It's been um, super long. It's been a really long time. As you know, Science and I were doing the show consistently for a while. And then we took a break, to say the least, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and what was happening was um, I had a child coming into life. That's a weird way to say it. I mean, yes. My wife was having a baby. There you go. Mm. And so for those of you with children, you know that that kind of puts things on hold a little bit. After a while, things kind of just stayed on hold. Yeah, they did. I'll take full blame for that. Science has been pushing me and us to get this thing back going for a long time. And it's Mm -hmm. been me that has held it up, not out of any lack of desire to to do it. It's just life's crazy. Having children is crazy. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but I, I, I can see. In the midst of science's recent kind of urging of us to to start doing this again, in the wake of the death of George Floyd, we were both getting a lot of emails, texts, DMs asking us, man, when are you guys going to start doing the show again? Would you guys ever think about starting it back up? And so thank you guys who who hit us up and thank you. showed us that it's something that you think is valuable to, to hear. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. A lot's happened um, <laughs> since we last were on. Yeah, um, statement of the year. Let's talk personally first, I guess. Um, so like I said, my wife had a baby. Malachi's three years old now. And I'm still obviously forever creating and doing music and stuff. But I actually have a day gig now that is not just music. So that's mm-hmm. this is the first time that I've ever had a full-time job that wasn't music. So that's definitely mm-hmm. been a transition for me. It's good work, and I'm I'm fortunate to do it, and I'm thankful I got work. You know, yeah. right now everybody can't say that. That's true. That yeah. is true. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be. I mean, amidst the chaos going on inside, man, it's like Grand Theft Auto out there. But uh, glad to be back. For me, um, see, I can't really top that. You had a family. Like, I'm gonna put a guard for you on that, dog. Like, anything I say is gonna nah, be. Nah, you've been like traveling. It's gonna the be world. like weak, dog. Anything I'm gonna say. Hey, no, don't, don't knock that water over, dog. You're real close. I saw so, you looking. Don't knock that water. How you looking? Please. Um, guess what? It's been like four years, right? Yeah, it's been three or four years. Yeah, so, Sorry. yeah, so okay. yeah, about four, nearly four years since we've done this. So a lot has happened. If you know me, you know that I love uh, doing a lot of work overseas, or um, just working with people in the community here. Um, and as far as work overseas, did some work in Germany with uh, refugees. Do you remember the refugee crisis in Syria? Yeah, I remember that. Two refugee camps in Germany. Um, to really see and hear people's stories of what they went through and the misconceptions we have of refugees are people think that refugees just want to come to in this case Europe or the West uh, just because they want to leave where they're at and um, get something new or something quote unquote better but these are people who really didn't want to leave I mean they're refugees they want to go back but there is no nothing to go back to so I heard all kinds of crazy stories I mean uh, obviously the kids that we meet there trauma issues, a whole lot of horrible things. But did that. We helped build some stuff in uh, refugee camps. Um, I also went to Japan. That's on my list. Yeah. That's on my list. I was supposed to be there. Actually, I was supposed to leave, go again next week, work with some churches for the the Olympics. You know, Big Rona came through. 
Rona's ruined everybody's life. Bro. Rona came through, so that didn't happen. I went to the Philippines, got to work with uh, villagers, did a lot of educating on the dangers of human trafficking, mainly labor trafficking, which is actually the biggest form of human trafficking in the world. Facts. Uh, especially you see that a lot in Southeast Asia. Got um, the passport filled up, got the second one. And uh, it's a blessing to go work with people. I really enjoy doing that. Um, like I said, I was supposed to uh, be in a number of places this year. Rona came through and uh, kind of stuck, but uh, it gives me time to focus on many other things. I'm just realizing now, I don't even, I mean, since the last time we did a show, I've put out like two albums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I put out the Roads to Rome album in 2018. Just had a two-year anniversary of that. Put out the vinyl for that, the, yeah. the little limited edition clear vinyl, which was really cool. And then... My favorite album still Searching For... What was it? Searching For Air. Searching For Alpha Triumph. I love that album, dude. Yo, I just had... It was just the eight-year anniversary of that yesterday, I think. Crazy. So I got a little something special. I haven't released it yet, but I got a little something special I'm going to do for that. I love that album. But yeah, so yeah. I just put out a new project, a new EP called Lot, L-O-T, mm-hmm. on July 10th, actually. Okay. It's been cool, man. It's been it's been nice to it's been hard, really hard, but to find ways to still be able to create um, that whole Roads to Rome album. I wrote all of that basically while like pushing my infant son in a stroller. Crazy. Traditionally, I've always been the type to sit down, play a beat, and just write and write and write till I'm done. And I had to learn a new process just because I never had. I never had time to just sit down to myself anymore. So I would just take him on these long walks, Mm -hmm. usually to the comic store or to Vons or to the park and write or, you know, whatever, come up with it in my head and then say it into my phone and to the little notes thing. And that's literally how I did like the whole record. And now that's like actually kind of my preferred method so and into the poem huh that's how i do it that's, that's how awesome I, that's how i write now i remember know? jay-z talking about how he used to write he used to write on napkins when he had time that's because he was selling crack too so that's that but um, <laughs> well it is funny because jay-z was kind of the guy that got the most credit for being like oh i don't like write rhymes i just do it in my head and yeah. the quote-unquote jay-z method that people were in awe over is mm-hmm. a really kind of normal thing for yeah. a lot of people it's just a different process. Right. That's one thing that I've learned from creating for so long is people's processes are just different mm-hmm. and like there really isn't a better or worse way to do it. You just do the process that makes the most sense for you. So if it makes sense to not write it and just to think about it and right. do it, dope. If it makes sense to sit down and write it, just like make the music dope, you know, make yeah. make the art good. Who cares? Anyways, all that to say, that's what we've been up to, but 2020 has been Mm-hmm. 2020 has been a, a it's been a rough one. Wow, it's been I'm doing life on hard mode, dog. Yeah, <laughs> been, that's what it is. Jeez, <laughs> man, doing life on hard mode, crazy. Just one thing after another after another, man. Once Kobe died, the whole thing just started. That was like domino number one, and then I'm like, dude, I'm like, somebody got to get the gauntlet back from Thanos or something, dog. We in the wrong timeline. Something. That's crazy. Yeah. So, like we said before, in the wake of the death of George Floyd and the things that kind of arose from that was really when we were getting calls and texts to, to mm-hmm. start doing the show again. So it, it only makes sense for us to, to kind of start there mm-hmm. and a few, not just him, you know, yeah. um, Brianna mm-hmm. Taylor. And I mean, there's a lot of, right. a lot of yeah. names really, obviously there's a lot to, a lot that's happened in that, a lot to unpack within that. But a few things that have really stuck out to me is in this history of 
black life being devalued in this country. There's been so many incidents and I've thought a lot about like, why is it that this time people seem to really care outside of the black community for the first time? So black life being devalued in this country is as old as this country. But for our generation, I think the first kind of situation that had me really thinking about it was the death of Amadou Diallo, right. which would have been February... 99? 99, yeah. Wow, yeah. yeah. I think February 4th, if memory serves me correct. Wow. Fact check me on that, February 4th. Since then, there have been... Um, Abdul Wima after that, remember? Like, the guy who got sodomized by Nerd PD. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that, goodness yeah. gracious. In this span, this literally 20-year span, there's been a lot of stories, and particularly in the last you know five years in the era of everybody having a camera on their phone or a video camera on their phone, lots and lots of situations have been breaking out. And I've been, I just thought a lot about like, why, why does there seem to be a new level of consciousness within white America? Why now? I have some thoughts on that, but I'll ask you actually, what you think? Um, I think what made this so impactful and a lot of other events, uh, maybe there were shootings, George Floyd was interesting because you actually spent eight minutes watching a man slowly die and looking into that person's eyes to see somebody slowly die and the beg for the life and then to call for his mom and to literally watch the life being taken um, out of somebody's eyes. I think that um, was a game changer, you know, because no matter how you feel about this issue, nobody could make an excuse that he did something wrong, you know? Yeah, I think you, you, you basically went exactly to where my mind was. You literally just watched somebody die for nine minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and every time a situation like this happens, people like to turn it into an isolated incident, right? right? Like we're pointing to a history of treatment in this country and they want to be like, no, 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 let's just talk about this. Like, how can you prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was that? And so they look at the specific incident and they find ways to talk themselves out of what's really going on. You could say, mm-hmm. oh, he should have complied. He was being aggressive. He was being, you know, all these ways to character assassinate or just point to things they should or should not have done in the situation to justify the action. And in this, there's yeah. just no way you could do it. Yeah, He isn't moving. He's clearly not a threat. And the attitudes of the other police officers there is so, there's such a disregard for life. Yeah, And it sucks that, that's what it took for people to take this serious. It sucks that it had to be that blatant for people to really start to wake up. But I'm thankful that it's happening. Not that he died, but I'm thankful that people are willing to start to think about these things yeah. in a way that they weren't before. Initially, when this all went down, I was very quiet on social media and I wasn't really talking about anything mm-hmm. going on if it wasn't face to face because... I was just having a hard time, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, it was it was a lot for me to to take in. I, I look at these things with a new lens now as a father because before I'm like, man, that could happen to me. And now it's like, yo, man, this could happen to my son. Mm-hmm. And that changes everything for me, you know? And so it was like a lot for me to, to really take in. I was really silent for a while. And then eventually I, I kind of started opening up and saying a couple things. And that really came out of finally feeling like there was some hope and some actually seeing something encouraging in the situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't see that at first. All I just saw was death and disregard for life. And then I'm just like, man, like people who 
I've seen year after year after year be on the wrong side of this issue. We're like yeah. saying the right things. Yeah. I was like, what? Like I literally, I literally thought they were like trolling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I thought they yeah. were like messing with me, like putting things on Facebook and Twitter and stuff, like being sarcastic, but they weren't. Right. They were like actually like condemning this and it's easy to condemn that action, but actually addressing systemic racism by name. Right. That's like another step. You know right. what I mean? It's exactly. a bigger step. I make the joke like, yo, NASCAR has <laughs> like, like, yo, anyone that makes a statement now, just right. know you made your statement after, after NASCAR. NASCAR. Made, yeah. You were later than NASCAR. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy to me. Like NASCAR is even like thinking mm-hmm. about this kind of stuff and feeling compelled to say right. and do something. And that is encouraging because I've never seen anything like that in my lifetime. Right. Nothing like that. The other thing that was really weird to me was I had a lot of non-black friends hit me up, whether it was text or or Mm. phone or DM or whatever, and like checking on me. And I never really had that before. Mm -hmm. I've never just had like white folks call me up like, hey man, like, are you doing okay? You know? Yeah. It's beyond a shame what is happening and what has happened, but it's encouraging to see that it feels like finally there is other voices that are supporting us on like a... Yeah, outside of just the usual supporters, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I had some people I, I had never talked... I hadn't talked to in a while, especially on social media, like kind of hit me up. I'm glad to see people are thinking about it. Like, it was something that was just so shocking, uh, you know, watching a person die. You know, it changes people, you know? I think seeing that uh, it made people kind of reevaluate, okay, maybe this is how other victims of uh, police brutality have gone down, but it just wasn't the camera there, you know, or maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. So yeah, it's been interesting. People have like a lot of self-reflection. Yeah. So yeah, I've appreciated everybody that's hit me up. It is kind of a delicate dance though. Cause sometimes it's like anyone checking on me, like, man, thank you so much. And like, I know some of y'all got questions and if we're friends, like I'm right. down to, to help with that. Right. You know what I mean? No doubt. But at the same time, I have this running joke with my wife that we always talk about. It's like, don't turn me into black Google. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Nope. Check on me. You know what I mean? You can ask mm-hmm. questions, but right. like, I think that's one of the, one of the hard things for people who are even well, in, well intentioned is like, they're like, oh man, there's a problem. Like, wait, we need to fix it. So like, let me ask my black friend how to fix it. And that's tough. Cause you don't, you want to be in some way supported. Cause maybe you are the only black friend. Totally. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I hate to break it to y'all, but it's not it's not that simple. Right. You know what I mean? Like I can make some suggestions. I could recommend you some books to read and things like that. But it's not like there's a 12 step program to end racism in America. You know, right. it just doesn't really work like that. And then, man, I, that Candace Owens video came out, boy. Ooh, yo. She's like the definition of a grifter. You know what a grifter is? It's somebody that takes opportunity mainly for financial reasons to, uh, exploit a certain side and i think that's what she does i really do yeah it's a good market yeah no she's made a lot of money doing it i I be telling people i was like look look don't like i've had a few well me older people send me that video like look if you're trying to make a point don't do it don't do it to her because you just destroyed your point then i have to give a whole list on why she was wrong uh but i kind of have that already set (laughs) i've tied something up already i know yeah and then i can just send it out 
people kept asking me, and I'm like, bro, I don't want to watch this video, man. Because like, yeah. it was like 20 minutes long or something, right? right, right. And I was like, dude, I don't want to watch this thing. I know I'm not going to like it. Yeah. I won't be able to get this time back. Right, but, exactly. But, but somebody asked me to watch it who, and they asked me personally, not in a public setting, and they were like, hey, help me to understand. And so that's why I watched it, and I, I wrote up a response to them directly. Thought about sharing it publicly, but I just didn't. I was just like, I don't want to talk about her anymore. And I'll, t- I'll tell you what, by the end of it, I don't know if you watched the whole thing, but the last couple of minutes, she gets a little, she loses her composure a little bit, mm-hmm. and she's clearly like emotional, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with being emotional, but basically by the end of it, I actually like felt bad for her because I was like, man, this person clearly doesn't feel any connection to mm-hmm. the black community in America but clearly but has black skin obviously and, and it's so, sad because she has a platform where if she she would only use her power for good but, you know what I'm saying <laughs> like no but no she has a platform where she could do so much so since we're talking about 2020 I mean we have to bring up the Rona is Big Rona. ruining everybody's life it's really interesting to see how new social norms have mm-hmm. had to develop and how even companies to stay afloat are having to make changes just to stay afloat. And mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is one silver lining is I'm seeing a, a level of creativity from mankind that I haven't seen before. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Yeah. We had that one Zoom early on with yeah. the squad. Who yeah, was, that was, was fun, me, man. It was me, you, Nick, John, Nick, yeah. and Jason. And we talked about the road trip. Yeah. Which, sorry. Sorry, sent to the tub. Sorry. <laughs> this to the top you died. <laughs> Many years ago, like fit, literally like 15 years ago, a bunch of friends, we were all going on this road trip and science was coming. There was, <laughs> I wish you guys could see his face right now. <laughs> there was a last minute adjustment to the, to the dates that we were going on. And, and, and they told me. It, and, it, and we didn't know, but the adjustment made it so science could not go anymore. Right. And this will still brings this Still up. salty. It's, still, it's literally been 15 years. I'm still salty. I've apologized so many times, man. I'm sorry, Doc. <laughs> still salty, Doc. <laughs> yeah, it's because John's the one that changed it, and everybody like changed it for him and like, didn't, didn't even ask me first. It's like, <laughs> nah, still salty. Well, be mad at John. I didn't know. I'm sorry, man. I've I'm sorry. apologized. I'm sure I'm the only one that said sorry, so don't be mad at me. Can we please talk about uh, COVID parties? you hear about this? Oh, yeah. Why? I just don't... Why? Like why? Why? Like, I don't... like. I just, like... I love comparing, like, how different countries deal with the same issue. America, man, just, like, the stuff that is happening, like a COVID party, like, how stupid do you have to be for that? Like... Yeah, no, it's it's really unfortunate because, look, 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 I understand that people are going to fall in different places in terms of where they stand on how to address COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand people questioning the validity of COVID, but in terms yeah. of how severe it is or being concerned with number manipulation, like I can understand why people could have a different opinion on right. it and respond differently. Like I get that. Even if you think it's not as big of a deal as the world, right. the entire globe is making it out to be, why were you just acting irresponsibly? Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're trying to be as anti to the opposing political opinion yep. they have as possible. Yep. It's so, reactionary. That's all it is, you know? That side seems to think this is important, so I'm going to do this. Right. It's crazy. People are deciding where they lie on issues before 
they've even learned anything about them. They look mm -hmm. to their Facebook algorithm for how they should feel about like an issue, mm -hmm. and then they become the poster boy for that issue mm -hmm. without really even thinking about it. And no, like, it takes a certain amount of intelligence. I learned to look at social media and actually like critical think. Okay, what I have before me, do I trust it? I was reading just about like the this Americans and uh, they're there during that during the virus the tendency to spread conspiracy theories and like why that is so much in America than let's say European countries right? and how they just kind of exploded on the internet and people just taking a face value, you know? Okay. I've been thinking about this conspiracy theory thing a lot recently mm -hmm. because I feel like the stereotype of a conspiracy theorist or the social political position of a conspiracy theorist has changed big time. Like right now, conspiracy theorists are associated with a level of like alt conservatism, mm. whether it's flat earth or COVID deniers or whatever. These all come from like some corner of conservative thought versus when we were coming up college age, high school, college, whatever, the biggest conspiracy theory of our generation was 9-11 was an inside job. And that was not a conservative viewpoint. That conspiracy theory was a liberal viewpoint, that right? quote unquote. The Empire did nothing wrong. Huh? The Empire did nothing wrong. Are you talking about Star Wars? <laughs> this one. <laughs> I'm like, what? The Empire? What you... It's like, <laughs> Napoleon? <laughs> French and the French did nothing wrong. Caesar? Like, what? But you know what I'm saying? Like, that was, like Michael yeah. Moore had the documentary... And Iraq, there was a lot with Iraq too. So right. Iraq, and then even global warming, conspiracy theories were associated with people of liberal thought. Right. And now I feel like it's completely changed. Right. Like we said, COVID denying. I mean, I don't definitely don't want to go off into this, but like vaccinations, right. and all that kind of stuff. You know what right. I'm saying? It's like really, really swung the pendulum. And I don't know when this happened. It's just something I've been really curious about, and like I've been thinking a lot about, like how did this? I think with the the the, the rise of conspiracy theories during Rona is just because we like answers. We like to have answers. We like to know, okay, when when are things going to end? Or with this virus, you really didn't have a lot of answers. You know, like how deadly it was because at first, because it was new. You know, we didn't know all about it. It just kind of changed things overnight. And when that happens, when change happens like that, it's just human nature to find answers even if it's one that somebody just made up in the corner of the web you know and i think people just grasp at that and uh then you throw that with a good old american polarization in politics and that's what you have you know it's not oh it's answers and it's always uh well this is bad so it must have something to do with the other side you know right and yeah. it's just nonsense the current social political climate leaves no room for nuance right the things that have the ability to go viral have mm -hmm. to be a really strong opinion one way right. or the other and nuance just isn't sexy enough to take right. off right um, and so as a result just the way these algorithms work the things that are getting the most response are the things that are getting pushed to us and mm -hmm. so all we see are these two really, really opposite ends of the spectrum when most people, if they really just like got to look at these things objectively and made their own opinion, it would fall somewhere in the middle, right. you know, but they're not even getting the chance to do that. Right. And, it, and it takes like an extra step to, and a level of self-awareness to see, to understand that you're seeing an algorithm that is catered right. one type of opinion, one type of position to know that's happening, look past it. And 
the nature of social media is to be like quick and to be right. first and to be fast. And so take the time to like fact check something. It's just not a quick process, right? right? Like it's not fun. It takes longer than the tweet itself. Right. And so people just don't do it. You know what yeah. I mean? I've and really tried to make a habit of fact checking. Like I don't post anything until like I, you know, at least make an effort to fact check. It's sad because I think we, where I think a lot of countries, like I talked to friends overseas, like in Scandinavian countries and in Germany and a lot of other places. And like, it's really interesting how they look at it and kind of the virus. It's like, okay, we need to beat this together, you know, kind of has a nation. But here in America, it's more like even just our partisanship, it was like, well, everything would be better if it wasn't for this half of the nation, you know, or this, this half of the group or that. Yeah. There's a lot of unity in our, even in our thought, you know? Yeah. And so, of course, you get some outbreak. People are dying. You would think some people would come together because we see what usually be like terrorist attacks, you know? That's one thing that does bring people together. But then it was just people who were just questioning it. And I, I honestly, I think people take their cues from the top. So if people at the top question it, depending who you listen to at the top, right. that's what you're going to do. Your top's going to be different. Right. So many people, they're not looking at this in a sense of like, okay, we can beat this together or I can I can sacrifice in this way to help my fellow man. Mm-hmm. It's just like, no, 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 no. This sounds like you guys are telling me what to do. Right, right. Oh, we don't want to be controlled by the government. It's like, bro, they already control you. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, yeah. this is just the way like a functioning country works. There are ways that you have to, for lack of a better word, be controlled just to exist. Like, if you want to... Buy a car. Like, you have to register your vehicle through the DMV. You got to get your tags. Like, you're yeah. wearing a mask. That ain't that bad in comparison. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I got to pick whether or not I have to pay insurance Shoot. on my car every year or wear a mask. Man, I, I, I'll be out there like, bang. Sign me up. Yeah, I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? I was born <laughs> in it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's so just strange to me almost sometimes. I'm like, I feel like I'm a visitor here. Others before yourself, unless it inconveniences me, then then it's not others before myself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I guess I, do, I don't like the narratives that come with being on this opposite side. It's like they swear like we just like we want to stay in the house. Malachi gets all types of services. You know what I mean? Malachi gets speech therapy. He gets behavioral therapy. He gets occupational therapy. You know what I mean? And since COVID hit, like he's been able to do none of that stuff. Right, right. And it's been really, really difficult. He's he's in a very important stage in his development where he really, really needs to be getting these services. And it's been really, really hard for my wife and I to watch him not get them. Right. You know what I mean? And so I'm just like, trust me, like if anyone knows what it's like to not want this to be happening and to not want to capitulate, it's us. You know what I mean? But I'm just like... Circle time via Zoom does not freaking work. No, nope. uh-huh. it does not work for a three-year-old. Right. I'm super thankful that both my wife and I have been able to continue working, and we're one of the fortunate few who like haven't lost our jobs, and as a result, haven't lost our health care. But I think that shows the frailty of healthcare in the United States is that you get it through your job mainly. People lost their job in the midst of a pandemic. Yep. I can't think of a better scenario to say that something needs to change as far as healthcare yep. in America. So many people out there who lost their job through no fault of their own. And this is the worst time to get sick because yeah, that's they exactly. letting us in the hospital. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just like being the last uh, westernized nation, I guess you can say uh, just industrialized nation, not to have universal healthcare. Like, I just don't get it. I've talked to people all over the world from the United Kingdom to Canada 
friends in France and then Japan, whatever, name it. Um, every uh, industrialized nation in the world has some sort of like health safety net. And I don't know what it is about this American exceptionalism where we feel like we have things figured out better in every area. This is an area that shows, no, we don't. Right. This it's, is an area of weakness, you know, and I think it's pride not to admit that uh, something needs to be changed. But our nation doesn't have the humility to acknowledge that we are behind on something. Right. We don't have the humility to acknowledge that somebody could do something better than we can. Exactly. And so what do we do? We just double down. Yeah. And it's funny because people always say to me, uh, like, well, you know, look at those other nations. You know, you should talk to them. It's horrible. <laughs> like, no, it's not. I've talked to them. You know, I remember I was in Canada and in the UK in the same year. Uh, it was a couple years back, and uh, and I asked them. I asked was like, let's say you can change uh, your healthcare system with America like tomorrow. Would you do it? And I was like, no. Why? Why would I do that? You know, it's not perfect. No, you know, no system is perfect. I'm not saying these are perfect systems, but I think this has shown us uh, the weakness in our system when it comes to healthcare. We can choose to ignore it or not, but I mean, eventually one day, it's all gonna come crumbling down. 